We're going to switch gears a bit and we're going to talk cricket also because the South African Cricketers Association also released a statement uh, this afternoon and uh, we're going to talk about that. They just I don't know if they're seeking clarity or it's just concerns over the slow progress of the Tabang Murwe investigation. You'll remember him. He was the, is the suspended um, CEO of a Cricket South Africa. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. So then, um, there was a statement that I mentioned that we received from Saka, and uh, we've got on the line Andrew Britska, the CEO of the South African Cricketers Association, just to um, to understand more about the statement that they've released. Andrew, good evening from us, and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Hi, to be so pleasure. Thanks. Can we get this out of the way firstly? Are you related to Matthew Britska? <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Britska is my cousin's uh, son. Uh, all Britskis were related somewhere along the line, but uh, he is a relative, yes. Oh, great. No, we featured him last year as part of our upcoming Young young Ones to Watch uh, going forward. And, and and we're hearing great things about Matthew. So we just yeah, he's a good player. He's a good way. player. Definitely. Let's talk about the statement now, Andrew. We've seen it. Um, why did you firstly feel the need as Saka to publicly address this matter? I think because it's such an important matter. You know, we, we go back to December the 5th last year, six months ago, when... Uh, the then CEO Tibangmaro was suspended um, by the Social and Ethics Committee, specifically of the board, because of certain incidents. Um, and we were then told that within six months, this disciplinary matter would be finalised. Um, CSA at that time was in crisis, uh, financial crisis, and it's still in that crisis. And on top of that, we now have COVID, which has created an existential threat for cricket in this country. And we believe that if there's one thing that, that Cricket South Africa should have finalised in that six-month time frame that they set, it was the issue around the CEO. Mm. Was it not three months initially and then six months? Uh, I recall it being said uh, six months mm. uh, because uh, uh, I think Jacques Ford's initial contract as acting CEO was for, for the initial three uh-huh. months and then extended for another three months. Um, but the date of June was, was always out there. Um, and it's, it's something that for cricket to move forward needs to be sorted out. Everybody is saying now that their their plans or their operational matters have been affected by uh, COVID-19, but it doesn't seem like you buy this. Look, COVID-19 has affected all businesses, and businesses have, have had to adapt how they operate. The CSA is functioning from an operational point, point of view very well at the moment, and it's, it's had to because there are a lot of issues to deal with in cricket. Um, so I, I just don't accept that that can be the, the reason for this delay. If you think we're going back to December, uh, they were then four months, four and a half months before we, we entered the COVID period as well. So one would hope to assume that a lot of work had been done then on something that was a critical issue. Mm. I think, Tabisa, it's important to understand that if there's one thing that sponsors, uh, broadcasters, other stakeholders want, it's it's some certainty as to... The, the governance and the operational structures of the sporting bodies. And that goes for all our sporting bodies. And when that isn't there, it creates uncertainty. It creates nervousness. And we have to be in a position as cricket in this country to give those important stakeholders certainty. As to say, we, we know what we're doing and we're moving forward. And I, I think this delay doesn't give that message to the stakeholders. I was about to say, do you think it's, it's holding the progress made uh, over the last uh, few months? Is, is, is it taking it backwards? Because a couple of weeks ago, you were in the same press conference as Cricket SA, saying that the relationship has now has now improved. 
relationship has improved, and, and we're working closely with Cricket South Africa on various issues. I mean, at the moment, one of the most current important issues is a return to play. How do players return to play? When will that happen? How do we manage that under on COVID level three, etc.? Um, and at the same time, we discussing with Cricket South Africa what's cricket going to look like in the future. So we are working very well with cricket at an operational level. Um, I think if you if you look at the landscape of sport in South Africa, ABSA have just pulled from football. Mm. Um, the talks that the the broad that the sponsorship market will probably shrink by forty, maybe even fifty percent. Um, so you want to be able to engage with sponsors with certainty. And like I said, I, no matter how well we're working with Cricket South Africa, this is an important issue that, that needs to be finalised. Now, what makes you think that there's a lack of will at board level to deal with this matter? Because you say that in your statement. Say that in the statement because I think given the crises that had enveloped CSA during the course of last year, which I, I referenced in the, the release as well, um, and the financial crisis that Cricket South Africa is in, which has now been exacerbated by COVID. Uh, when you look at that, one would have to think that for the board of directors of any company, that the issues around the CEO that effectively resulted in someone like Standard Bank saying they're not interested in renewing, resulted in momentum coming forward and saying we have serious issues around governance of the organization. That's to show those important stakeholders that all is well in cricket, that it would have been a priority during those January, February, March, April months to actually make significant progress. The concern is, is that the newspaper reports of the press reports of last week say that TSA is, quote, nowhere near finalising the matter. Um, so one has to wonder, it gives you to the logical conclusion of wondering well, what has been happening over the last few months. We've got a voice note here that's come through on 0614104107. For those who've just joined us, we're talking to the CEO of SACA, that's the SA Cricketers Association, Mr. Andrew Brietzka, just uh, telling us they are concerned about uh, how this investigation into the suspended CEO of Cricket SA, Tabang Murwe, is uh, taking so long. And, and I guess it's still on full pay from your understanding, Andrew? Uh, as, a, as a labor lawyer, I would say he's probably been suspended on full pay. So, yes, I think that is the case, yes. Yes, I actually think uh, I think it was mentioned in the beginning that um, he will yeah. be suspended on full, play, full pay. But let's take this voice note. Good evening, Tabisa. Good evening to Mr. Andrew Prietzke. It's here in East London. Um, are you happy with the progress that Cricket South Africa has made in terms of their governance since the uh, the last year's um, scandal? And secondly, uh, what can you say uh, during Chris Nenzani's uh, tenure? What can you say are his achievements as the Cricket South Africa president? Because I can't see anything that he achieved as the president of Cricket South Africa since he came in in 2013. What can you point out and say uh, under Nenzani? This thing happened. This great thing happened. Thank you very much, uh, Tabisa. Thanks for that, Libra. Um, Andrew, we did touch on the progress, um, but maybe you can just answer those questions. Yeah, look, I, I think there are two elements. From an operational point of view, dealing with Cricket South Africa, we've made significant progress in the last number of months. And like I said, we're working well with them. From, from the governance point of view, from the board of directors, um, they've just appointed three new independents onto the board as of two weeks ago, and that's mm. an important move because there, there were only two independents, uh, Professor Steve Cornelius and Mario Skuman. So that's a, a good step in the right direction. We as SACA, from December last year, have taken the position that we believe the board should have stood down because we believe the board were complicit in the various crises that, that occurred last year. And as such, they 
failed in their oversight. You, given that a board of directors has a duty to act in the very best interests um, of the organisation. Uh, so, in, in that sense, we still believe that the, the board has got a lot to answer for for the, the state cricket is in. Um, but operationally, things are working well with with cricket South Africa. Um, the second part of the question, question around Mr. Kristen Zani, I think Kristen Zani, yes. um, as a member of the board, I think falls into that same category of last year, where I think the right question should have been asked of the CEO and the CEO, and they weren't done. And I think Mr. Nzani needs to answer to that. I think Mr. Nzani, over, over his career at CSA, um, I think he has unified cricket well. I think he's brought a lot of disparate parties together in cricket, so I think he did that well, and I think he represented South Africa well at, at ICC level. Um, the concerns around the board and the presidency and the vice presidency are very related to the last two years um, at Cricket South Africa. But just back to your statement here, you also say that CSA is likely to point to the forensic audit that has, near, that has not yet been completed. Uh, what, do you, what exactly do you mean by this? So I think Cricket South Africa will say that, well, until such time as the forensic audit is, has been completed, um, we can't really go forward with with the, the misconduct issue. Um, and they will use that as, an, as, I suppose, an excuse as to say we're waiting for that. Um, I'm not just sure what the terms of reference of that, that audit are, and I think that is an important question. What are they actually investigating? How how deep does that investigation go? Is it financial? Is it related to operational decisions? When we don't know, that is something that they'll be aware of. Um, but one has to assume, well, did that start too late? Uh, where are Where is this independent company in, in undertaking this process? So in all in all then, Andrew, in simple English, why do you think it's taking so long, in your opinion? I just don't think it's been prioritised like it should be. And, and whether there are other agendas at play, I don't know. But I, I think Cricket South Africa owes it to the players, to the public, to come out with, with a more definitive statement as to where they are. I, I see they have just released something in response to say that they note um, the discontent mm. of stakeholders and they assure stakeholders that they are working on it. But I, I think there needs to be a bit more. Um, there is now no date set as to when it will be completed. So we've, we've gone past six month deadline. So we're now in an open-ended period of time. Um, and you know, are we going to be sitting here in November having a similar discussion? By the way, part of that statement that they've just released says that uh, CSA would like to make it clear that the forensic auditors are currently finalizing the forensic report. And once the auditors have tabled the report directly to the board, CSA commits to commits to sharing the findings of the report in line with board approval, which is what you're expecting, I guess. It is what you're expecting. And, and right up front, when the forensic audit started, CSA committed to making that, that public. So, so we, we will hold them to that as well. Okay, maybe you had to come out and say something, uh, Andrew, because we were also talking about this internally uh, just last week about why there's no finality in this matter. And now that you've mm. come out, uh, we've seen a statement. Just before we let you go now, uh, just on another matter, um, with players allowed to return to training now, when can your members return to training and how long do you think it will take for them to be able to play again? Um, that's a good question. Uh, with the With the level... Three regulations, you would have noted that it allows for, for professional non-contact sport. Um, but the minister has also issued directives to say that each federation that wants to engage in, in return to play needs to submit um, a protocol to the department for approval. And that protocol has got to have certain elements to it, for example, testing, etc. 
um, sanitizing of, of stadia. Um, CSA uh, and with the steering committee of which we are part as well, we work closely together with them and well with them on this, um, are in the process of submitting that when we get finality from the department. And then we're going to be in a position to be able to say, well, now let's, let's get back to play. Um, players are eager to play, but some players are also nervous to, to come back to play. So we, we need to deal with it properly and carefully. most important thing, Tabisu, is the health and safety of our members, of our mm-hmm. players. So we are making sure that any return to play protocol meets international minimum standards um, of safety for the players. So there's a lot of work that's gone into that already. Most of that work has been done, and now we need to try and work out how we get back into play. Okay. And if I remember, you had a fund to assist some of the players. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Um, if you recall, we, we made a, players made a donation of 300000 around to Gift of the Givers a few yes, weeks ago. Yes, yes, yes. And at the same time, we established a fund to assist players who are going through hardship due to COVID. That fund is up and running, and I'm actually pleased and proud to be able to say that last week we started paying out our first amounts from that fund to assist players who, for example, their contracts might have ended at the end of last season and they were going to become a coach at a local club or a school, so they had their career plan. But now, sadly, that school has turned around and said, sorry, we, we're not, we can't afford to have a coach. So suddenly that player is then in a severely uh, um, detrimental situation financially. So the fund is, is up and running and it's designed to help those type of players and I'm, I'm glad to say we're helping them now. Great stuff. Andrew, thanks for always being available to speak to us. We admire the work that you do as a, as a, as a soccer Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Andrew Bretzka, CEO of the South African Cricketers Association. And they always seem to be doing something. I'm not just saying that because he's on air. Uh, I mean, we've also spoken to Umpila Ramela the other day. Uh, he was telling us he's also got a leadership role. He's the president. He's got a leadership role within the, the SACA. And he was telling us that they've got that something that they call, I forgot the exact word of it, but the exact term for it, but they encourage players to study uh, while they are still playing. And SACA actually funds them to study so that if the cricket doesn't work out or after their cricket, they can have other careers to fall back on. And Umpila Ramela was telling us about that. So there's always something good that they're doing. They've donated to the gift of the givers. They're now donating uh, to their own members, basically, if uh, they are uh, in, um, struggling during uh, this time. So a lot of uh, players' unions or players' associations can take a lift, a page or two out of Asaka's book.